As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it's Sean O'Connell, the managing editor at Cinema Blend and co-host of the Real Blend podcast. Here to introduce you guys to a bonus episode of the show. We were able to get co-directors uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods on the program so that they can talk about their new film, 65. You've probably seen the trailer for this one at this point. It's science fiction. It stars Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. Um, and the hook of it is that while trying to transport um, some passengers in cryogenical freeze, Adam Driver's ship hits a bunch of asteroids. He has to crash land. And lo and behold, he crash lands on planet Earth during the time of the dinosaurs. Uh, there's a lot to talk to these guys about, including their dinosaur design, working with Adam Driver, um, shooting out in the natural elements and the difficulties that come with that. Uh, this seems like a, a movie that's going to potentially fly under the radar. But as more people see it, I think generate a lot of buzz. So we were really excited to get Scott and Brian on the show to dive into their filmmaking process and to talk about 65 in general. So that's enough for me. Let's get right to Beck and Woods, co-directors of the new film 65. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, to, for joining the Real Blend podcast. It's an honor to have both of you on. Congratulations on 65. We're very excited for our audience to see this. Um, I want to take, take it back to the trailer because the trailer for this film was one of the most clever pieces of marketing I've seen just in terms of the way it was designed, how we really didn't know exactly what was going on until that title po uh, pops up the tagline and everything. And I was just curious, like, you know, it, sometimes in, in studios and, and filmmaking, filmmakers don't love what goes into their trailers because they have to put things in the trailers that actually, you know, are going to elicit a response from the audience. How involved are you in that trailer that you put out for this film? Because it, to me, it felt like it was coming from you guys, like it was a smart way to do it. But how, talk about the process of that. I mean, the trailer, the trailer was basically the pitch. You know, when we yeah. went to go pitch this movie to studios, we went in to their boardrooms and we basically started pitching them alien. Right. We started pitching them. Man crash lands on an alien planet. Mysterious, um, blah, blah, blah. And then we'd get like. 10 minutes into our pitch and then we'd like grab a poster and flip it around and it had a giant t-rex on it and <laughs> like why does steven spielberg get to have all the fun like why universal <laughs> have a monopoly on dinosaur movies um why can't we you know there should be as many dinosaur movies as there are comic book movies and so it, that kind of spirit with which we pitch the movie is um when we watch the trailer it's like that they totally nailed that yeah that enthusiasm because we you know we we always are thinking about like marketing is when the story is first given to the audience like it's the first yeah. thing that they can see 
And we had debates. We're like, oh, should debates between ourselves. We're like, is it better to like not even tell the audience that there's dinosaurs till they show up into the movie theater, which could have been an interesting direction. But at the same time, we wanted, you know, people to be excited by what the experience actually is going to be. And so to have that a pseudo twist in, in the trailer was exactly like that sweet spot that I think we, we all kind of settled on. And, um, you know, we were really excited with, with the materials that, that came back. So someone does cut that like without your input and then you watched it and were surprised by it. Yeah. Usually the process is like they cut it. Then we get to we get to watch it and then weigh in with any notes and have those discussions. And then it gets revised from there. But, you know, it, it, it's it's a true collaborative effort. Cool. Cool. Great. Trailer. Right, I want to bring up sort of building off of that. Um, you guys do something that I don't think I've ever seen in a film before, <laughs> which is when you finally get to the title and it's it's a little bit later. Into 15 the movie, minutes you know. in. Yeah. Is that how long it is? And I, I love that. I love when a title takes a long time to come. Yeah, that's so, yeah. But your title also comes with basically the elevator pitch. It just keeps going. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I've never seen that before. So talk about the decision to to include like a longer synopsis of what's happening. That's again, it, like it goes back to the script. Our scripts um, are we usually incorporate bizarre formatting um, with a quiet place. Uh, like 65 doesn't have a lot of dialogue. So we were using like images in the script and implanting them and changing the font work and doing kind of silly stuff. And so one of the things we did for 65 in the script is you get to page 15, right? You're reading a normal script. It's basically alien, a person transporting cryo people, uh, people in cryo sleep. And you get to page 15 and you flip the page and it just says 65, like small. And then you flip another page. It's like million years ago. Oh. Someone came to <laughs> earth. And um, and it was just like uh, our, we love in our scripts to just like present the um, to, to attempt to articulate the cinematic uh, vision of the movie. I think you, the other thing, too, is that, you know, we're talking about the trailer and like all that marketing is is kind of the precursor. So people know what the twist is. But like we were thinking about our childhood and turning on like the TV and on TNT, like I'd, I'd be watching, you know, a movie that I saw no marketing for. I'm just kind of thrust into it. And so there's there's like a longevity thing too that we're looking mm. at. Or like our, our greatest hope is that like two decades from now, some kid might be like flipping the channel and start seeing like Adam Driver crash land on a mysterious planet. And they they don't know the movie, they don't know the marketing. And so that reveal can also work for them the way that the reveal is happening to Adam Driver. He doesn't, mm. doesn't, his character doesn't know what planet he's actually on. And so it's, it's all kind of this discovery that's, that's happening concurrently. Mm. Wow. Awesome. Uh, guys, I want to talk about the runtime because there it's 90 minutes. There is not an ounce of fat on this movie. It's lean and it moves. And by the time you are just emotionally exhausted, it's over. It's done. Did you guys always envision a lean, tight thriller 90 minutes like this? Or is there a longer version that you guys cut down? I mean, there's certainly, I think every movie has a longer version out there. The assembly right? cut. Yeah. Yeah. Assembly cut, exactly. So there is there there is certainly a longer version, but the intent was always to make a really tight roller coaster ride. And the intent with this movie in particular was to strip down, get rid of the exposition. I guess the challenge I would say that we presented to ourselves and 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 Adam is can we remove exposition and um and really just let this be kind of a visual cinematic experience, hardly any dialogue, a lot of deep, painful emotion, and a ride. Uh and and for us, 
that couldn't be longer than really didn't want it to be longer than 90 minutes. Uh, cause it's, it, it can be exhausting. We, we are huge fans of like, like other movies that we would consider in this like kind of sub sub genre would be like a movie like gravity or something where mm. um, mm. a clean and simple point A to point B, but kind of an exhausting uh, survival mm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, we looked at films like that. We looked at um, Apocalypto and um, even the Revenant, which is a long movie. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those were kind of our, our, our benchmarks in terms of the the ride of the film. It's interesting. When you guys mentioned, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Go say, when go you guys mentioned uh, the the exposition, like, did you guys film that stuff and cut it out later, or was that a decision that was made before you guys even started rolling? No, I, I mean, it really was before we started rolling. Like, I'm I'm trying to think, like, even the assembly cut. It's not like there's a three hour version of this movie that exists. It's like maybe 15 minutes longer, 20 oh, minutes wow. longer. And it's, it's all about, um, you know, how much information needs to be conveyed because there's so much that's not said. And we, we find that visual filmmaking sometimes like you can put, you know, you can add up two and two even easier than if there's dialogue in it. And mm-hmm. so that was always the thing that we were trying to find, like, how do you create that, um, that pace that feels unrelenting. And one of the things we mm-hmm. talked about with Adam is like with this movie, if we did our jobs right, you could almost put it on mute and you would understand mm. that was the hope. I, yeah. Whether we pulled that off or not, I don't know. But that was the ambition that we all talked about. Like Adam, Adam was like, uh, you know, it constantly like every time we had a scene with that, like he's like, I don't need to say this line. I don't need to say this line. <laughs> We're like, great. Like we love it. Like the, the less, the better. Um, you know, he he was really pushing us um, to to make it as minimal as possible and just yeah. let it visual experience if we could pull it off and all the yeah, while sony yeah. is like yes 90 minutes yes extra run times yeah. yeah the way you the way you talked about the exhausting nature of a film that goes past a certain timeline is the way chris nolan talked about dunkirk because i think dunkirk was like 100 minutes and it was like lean and like he he knew when the audience would finally just be exhausted by it um i, I want to go back a little bit in your history because with with blue box films and university of iowa um your story is absolutely incredible um it, I mean, it really is to sit here and we're talking about a massive budget Budget film for Sony where you're, you know, we're on a film podcast. We're talking about movie making, going back to those two guys that, that, that created, you know, blue box films and kind of like, what do you remember about them? I mean, obviously there's, they're you, but you're, you've, you know, made a lot of films and worked a lot since then. Uh, what do you still see in those guys that you're, you're still kind of bringing to the table today in a film like this? Um, you know, I think look back and I'm like, very naive, still feel naive, like very mm. ambitious though. Um, you know, writing a dinosaur movie is, uh, I, I, I say naive because you need somebody to like believe in that and write a big paycheck in order to make that. Um, but I think it, to a certain degree, it doesn't feel any different stepping on a set now as it did back then, because we're always oh, wow. trying to figure out, how do we use um, limited resources uh, to make something? You know, we were making movies back in Iowa for, you know, sometimes no money. Sometimes it was like 50 bucks. We were holding local <laughs> casting calls. Um, we were trying to like focus, pull ourselves, hold the boom mic between <laughs> the two of us. And it gave us like a deep appreciation for like everybody that's on a film set. And now when we um, when we are on a film set, you have, you know, sometimes on on big visual effects days, like 300 people. And there's an admiration for all the artistry that comes into that. I think that's one thing that has certainly developed. But 
the problem solving that hasn't changed at all. Like mm. no matter what scale of film, there's inevitably some crazy headache that's going to cause like a creative catastrophe. That's going to be a compromise and you have to be thinking on your toes. Luckily there's two of us. So we're able to like quickly bounce ideas off of each other. And that's something that we've had now and had back then. Um, but there is a degree that it feels like very similar and we still feel like those same, you know, 12 year olds and, making. Stuff and it's very surreal. Like it's surreal even being on your show. Cause we've watched your show and we've watched you guys interview our yeah. heroes and it's an honor to, to be talking wow. to you and, and, and weird to be talking to you because it does feel like yesterday that Scott and I were just like 10 year olds sure. playing with like taking our star Wars toys and mixing them with our Jurassic park toys and then <laughs> stop motion movie. I'm 35. I still do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And us too. And it's like, and, and honestly, 65 is that movie. And it's weird that somebody let us make that, but um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very surreal and, and grateful. Just a I don't mean this like a, a, a follow up real quick to your to your uh, the directing aspect of it. Like you see a lot of filmmaker duos who either have a name like the Safdie brothers. I know they're brothers, but or the Daniels or um, the Hughes brothers. Uh, and and, and yeah, you see your names come up on screen. Was there ever uh, did you ever come up with a name? for uh, as a directing team i was just curious like do you go by beck and woods like like what like what what do you like what do you envision your team title is oh, the boring brothers we're not that interesting as- <laughs> <laughs> the boring brothers yeah i don't know it was yeah it was always beck and woods i yeah we we never um it's we never i think beck and woods sounds cool man i was just wondering <laughs> oh, if there was you. ever if there was ever like if you guys ever had an idea for like 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 the daniels or i was just curious like what if you guys ever had anything <laughs> Like that. No, I mean the closest we had was the blue box. What we used to yeah. call our production company was Blue Box Films, and then people kept being like, "But oh, what does it mean?" And we're like, <laughs> and we came up anything? with that name when we were like 15 years old, so we were like, "It just sounds cool," and we were like, "That sounds so superficial." <laughs> All right, I have to ask about this um, because we get to the end of the credits, and you guys have four credited uh, actors, right? Uh, and if I believe it's the correct, 19 stunt people. Uh, how is that possible? How can you have almost four times as many stunt people? Well, there's you know some- what's weird? Like that seems particularly ridiculous considering Adam legitimately did all of his own stunts and <laughs> right. Ariana practically did also because she's, you know, she always wanted to be involved. Yeah. We had, we had some, uh, you know, dead passengers here and there that had to be it's like true. rigged up in trees for instance. <laughs> okay. okay. It, was, it was such a pared down cast um, that, that was actually really welcoming. Um, we we had done a, a small independent film called Haunt that had like six main main cast members and then six villains. And just from a technical standpoint, like trying to like move the camera around and keep everybody in frame was like just a logistical nightmare and creative nightmare. And and so it was really fun to like pare it down to the bare necessities. And sometimes we would just be working with Adam. And, and he'd be this uh, man of like isolation and in the frame. And it was just so fulfilling to be able to like workshop each scene, like, you know, one-on-one or two-on-one in our case, and just really have the time to distill, like, what's the purpose of this scene and almost approach it like, like theater, even though it's, it's ostensibly like, it's a cinematic movie that's about dinosaurs. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. 
Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You guys mentioned Quiet Place. I, I, I have to. I, I'm curious because I don't really know the in and outs of like how movies, you know, specifically get made from. The, I mean, I, obviously, I'm a, I'm a filmmaking fan. I love the way movies are made, but the the business side of it and the way things get sold and where they end up. Can you just give a brief history about what what what, what went down with that film? Uh, was there ever uh, a moment where both of you were going to direct it? Did you ever get to a point where? Did you have shots already figured out and did you share those shots with Krasinski? I'm just curious, like what how that pattern worked. And also that movie was shot 35 millimeter, which was amazing. Uh, it was really cool. And I was wondering if you had any input in that as well. Um, but just the, the, the story behind that, I'm just curious about. Yeah, I mean, kind of the, the the quick Cliff Notes version of it was it was a script that we we wrote on spec and um, we had set up with Michael Bay's company and we um had put together like a whole pitch reel, which we we had posted a while back on on our Twitter at Beck and Woods um, that that exists there that kind of gives like the tonal comparison of what the movie is. And we set that up and then we uh, took the script to Paramount and they immediately bought it. And we were originally um, directing that. And yet there was like this weird confluence of events where the script uh, got slipped as scripts slip all the time. Um to John Krasinski and he fell in love with it so much that he was like, I really want to just not star in this, but I want to direct it. And mm. we, what, what was interesting is there was like a week period where we were debating like, okay, do we hand over our baby or do we, um, you know, try and pull the script and then maybe it blows up the movie and, and we, we mm. take it elsewhere and it was like a week of like soul searching of what what do we do? I think what what pushed us in the direction that eventually what happened with John directing the film was he and Emily being on board, um, not only from like, you know, a talent and star power uh, standpoint, 
was they had both um, had their second kid like three weeks before they read the script. Mm. And the way that they connected to that script was so endearing to us that we felt even if we handed this over, it would be in solid creative hands. And Paramount was um, giving, you know, we were doing like rewrites for Paramount, but the rewrites were never about like add in more dialogue, add in more exposition. So we felt even from the studio standpoint, they were really um, trying to preserve the spirit of that film. And so when we watch that film to this day, we still feel like an incredible love and passion for it. Even though we didn't direct it, it is so much the spirit of what we were going to set out to make that, you know, it, it became this pleasant experience of a movie going the right way instead of what usually happens, your script gets taken and then it just gets completely transformed to something entirely yeah. different. But it definitely um, was, uh, was an interesting point in our career to say the least that, uh, that we were, we were mostly just confused because yeah. they were like, uh, John handed the script to Emily blunt and, and she read it immediately and wants to do it. And we were like, they were hanging out like they were just at coffee. We didn't know that they we were didn't there. know they were like they just were all famous people just hang out at all times. <laughs> they well, share scripts. Yeah. They're constantly yeah. sharing yeah. scripts with each other. It's a cool um, story. It's nice to hear a positive story because I feel like that could have gone badly. <laughs> like it yeah, yeah. 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 So so we are all um, enormous Stephen King fans, and I will be remiss if I don't bring up the the work you guys are doing on Boogeyman. And I want to get specifically into the weeds on this oh, yes. on this story because I heard this, and and I want you guys to clarify it, that it initially was supposed to go to Hulu, but it received such positive reviews that Fox was like, "This thing's going to theaters." Like, yes, yeah, yeah that happened. And how do you feel when that happens? And because that's unbelievable. You're talking to two guys who are we're building a, a movie theater in our hometown uh, where we grew up in Iowa right now. We're building. Are you theater. really? Yeah, it's a it's a two screener, uh, two screener with a rooftop screen screen uh, screen platform. And um, it's called the last picture house because we're like, <laughs> if we're the last theater standing, we're happy to be that one. But it's just a wow. I love you guys even more now. That's, that's fantastic. We love movie theaters so much. We love the Damn. experience of going to the theater. And so when we first wrote boogeyman it was intended as um it was intended as a theatrical movie and then of course like the merger happened with disney and buying fox and it went through all this stuff and then it was when they greenlit the movie it was it was clear this is going to hulu and we all had to like sign a addendum to our contract to to make that happen and it was kind sure. of disappointing because we're like man horror is like so fun you'd, you'd love to see it with an audience and watch well, like pray that happened or pray also and exactly I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, could you yeah. imagine pray in a theater oh, oh my god i got to amazing. see pray at the arrow and it was so wonderful and i'm oh, so nice. sad that other people didn't get to experience it that way but but yeah so boogeyman um it, they started screening the movie once it was finished and it really started playing through the roof and it really played the audience like a piano and and it was also Stephen King himself who was kind of like advocating behind the scenes and and basically saying like, yeah, my you know my feedback on the film is I don't understand why it's not in movie theaters. And so, right, thank goodness, twentieth um, um, oh. uh, uh, turned around and decided to put mm -hmm. out theaters. Um, can I ask a quick like, how are you guys using? Because uh, I saw the trailer that that came out recently. It seems like you're using David Asmalchi in, in a different way. Can you talk about that without? Yeah, without, I mean, uh, the challenge. I'll talk about it like from the challenge of even adapting um, the the short story because it is a short story. It's like eleven or, or twelve pages long. 
And it takes place um, in a psychiatrist's office where a man, Lester Billings, walks in and he, you know, basically is saying the boogeyman killed all three of my children. And the fun of this project was using that as a launching point and then creating a story from whole cloth. But that still, you know, would be the voice of Stephen King because it is Stephen King's The Boogeyman. and. David, um, you know, is in the movie playing the part of Lester Billings, which to us is is a chilling character. It's a chilling portrayal that is um, that he lends so much weight and uh, and authenticity to. So he's he's one of our favorite actors. I feel like people uh, him um, primarily as a character actor. But as far as I'm concerned, he could be a leading man as well. His versatility, uh, as far as I know, knows no bounds. So. Yeah, I think he's I think he's, he's eventually going to get the Killian Murphy treatment where he's going to like have the Oppenheimer moment because like his career feels similar to that. I mean, obviously we saw Killian leading Twenty Eight Days Later and things like that, but I feel like that's going to happen for David. David's been crushing it. Go ahead, Jake. No, you know, I was just going to say, I every kid grows up because I want to swing back to sixty five for a second because every kid grows up basically loving dinosaurs. But the, one of the benefits of, of being kind of around my age was if you were five years old in 1993 and you loved dinosaurs and then fucking Jurassic Park came out. It was the greatest thing in the world. So, so much of my perception of dinosaurs and dinosaurs within pop culture is molded by Spielberg's film. So I'm sort of curious as filmmakers, whenever you guys are going to start crafting sort of a, a, a dinosaur movie, do you look at something like Jurassic Park and go, well, X, Y, and Z are so embedded in our psyche that we just can't do that, that we have to do something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, some of the iconography from Jurassic Park, whether it's like, you know, ripples in in the water or whatnot, like you you want to avoid that as much as possible. Now, it's it's a huge shadow to kind of live um, beneath. And so I think for us, we were, you know, simultaneously acknowledging um, Jurassic Park, but also trying to find like crazy left of center. comps and some of these will sound like probably really insane but like e2 mama tambien like this world <laughs> movie love this this undercurrent of um there's a conflict that you discover and there's there's a reveal at the end and there's this sense of like mourning and grief and so looking at movies like that you know helped inform us like what's the aesthetic we we kept saying that 65 is um, for us personally approaching it like a blend of Roland Emmerich with Terrence Malick, where there's this <laughs> nice. Patrick. I thought I saw some Chivo shots yes. in there. I'm like, what's going on? I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and, and I think for us, it was, um, you know, like you can have this roller coaster ride, but there's like a couple moments throughout the movie that in that kind of stop the movie for a moment and it just steeps itself in, um, you know, character and these moments between Adam and Ariana's. Um, character and we feel like otherwise you probably wouldn't see those in like a Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park or Jurassic World movie Um, so that was always we were trying to oscillate like the tone and find the perfect blend between our our sensibilities which really do span the gamut from Michael Bay to Francois Truffaut to like shock Well, there was a, such a great moment, I was telling the guys before we hopped on, where, um, I don't want to give anything away, but it basically uses sort of like this kind of hologram of Adam and another dinosaur to show a fight that we're not seeing. And it was it just like I whenever I saw that, I was just like, oh, yes, because I felt like any other filmmakers would have shown us a fight that we've seen 10,000 times. But you showed us that maybe that fight's happening, but we're going to present it to you 
in a really cool, unique way that you've never, and I just felt like, and there were so many moments like that in the film that I appreciated so much because it just sort of felt like we know what you've seen before and we're not gonna give you that, which is one of the reasons I love this movie so much. I'm so glad oh, that um, that you liked that moment. That that means a lot to us, especially because like that was a scene we had to fight for that like uh, people wanted to take out of the movie and we're like, no, 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 like this oh, is the, oh, no. the movie. No, that's, that's it. Oh, that's so why the, cool. that's yeah, let, 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 movie we'll, special. We'll, we'll, come, we'll come to your test screenings. We'll, we'll, <laughs> We got, we got you guys. Yeah. yeah, we need to call you guys. Actually. Yeah, they're like, why do all the pages say that it's Terrence Malick meets Roland Emmerich? That's a very okay, specific on, note. Wait, wait, hold on. Do you guys, does anyone in this room think that Terrence Malick has seen a Roland Emmerich movie? Because I don't <laughs> I hope Maybe. so. Because he said he's on a record that Zoolander is one of his favorite films. Yeah. So great. <laughs> you these like serious filmmakers yeah, love great. the weirdest yeah. things you can think of. Yeah. That's so great. Um, <laughs> The hologram, I mean, that was born from Brian and I just loving the 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 mantra, and we tried employing this on a quiet place, like writing the script, that it's about what you don't see. It's using mm-hmm. the power of suggestion, yeah. and the power of your imagination. And we knew the trick with the dinosaur film is you have to deliver the goods. You have to be able to show the dinosaurs, but there's other moments that we were trying to find ways to pull back and and let things either exist off screen or exist in the shadows or exist in sound design so that there was there's a power of um of the storytelling that you don't have to just have things lunge out right front and center throughout the, the way the first time we see the t-rex which we don't even really get to see her but the lightning strike when i'm just like oh yeah like it just oh restraint is an amazing thing and i appreciate it it was really cool Thank you. Uh, I'll get you guys out of here on this one. This is just going to be a quick nerdy question. But once he crash lands and we're in that swamp, I was getting like Star Wars Luke Yoda vibes and like that. And I, and again, the only reason why that crossed my mind, well, visually speaking, but also Adam being from you know, the Star Wars universe. Am I being a nerd by thinking that? Was that something that you had thought about in the idea of like, I don't know. It just brought me back to that feeling I had when I first saw that scene. In Star I also Wars. got Dagobah vibes. I definitely yeah. got Dagobah. And, and, yeah. yeah, and the creature and everything. So I was just curious, yeah. like, you know, if that was and intentional. We, no, it was. I mean, when we started researching Pangean Earth and what, because we, we were imagining a movie that kind of took place approximately um, Yellowstone 65 million years ago. And we started doing research and um and oddly Yellowstone was more of a swamp. And, and so this <laughs> idea of swamp started like recurring and all of a sudden, like our production designer, Kevin Ishioka, um, who who we had found through his brilliant work on Tron and um, oh, yeah. Avatar, and, and he had just done a, a brilliant design stuff. Like, we just loved his taste. And and it was him who he like went, he went to Louisiana. He looked at the swamp. He stood in the swamp and he called us and he's like, guys, like, I know we were thinking about, you know, something else for this crash landing. But like, we got Dagobah here. Like, we got <laughs> Dagobahs right here. You know, we're just like to ourselves. We're like, what if this actually turned into like a covert Kylo Ren origin story? Yes, (laughs) I slowly change the script and deliver new sides to Adam, and slowly he's like, guys, guys, you know, not not to be done this one, but it's hilarious. I do got to say, one of the greatest Star Wars moments of all time is that scene with him and Han, and in Force Awakens. That is honestly probably that is top. Star Wars sequences for me. That scene is brilliant. Like yeah, he he true, crushed yeah. that sequence. Oh, he, yeah. He crushed yeah. his right. movies. I love him in every one of those movies. Same. His performance is just yeah. riveting mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. He's great. Breaking news: Adam Driver is a terrific actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. We finally <laughs> come to the conclusion. Um, guys, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. We know I I spoke to you guys much earlier in the day. I know you've been doing interviews 
all day long. And uh, it, it means the world to us that you guys stayed, you know, on for the end of the press day to to come on Rebel End. And so oh, thank you. Very no, thank you for having and again, us. we're yeah. fans yeah. and we watch your yeah. show. So it's cool. That's, oh my God. That's, well, we're fans of you guys. Insane. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that, ridiculous. That, that, is, that, that. Is, that is mind blowing to us. because <laughs> yeah. We appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you awesome. guys. Thank so you guys. Thank you so much to uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods for coming on the show and talking about 65. It's funny. We're going to give our uh, full reviews of the movie on the full episode that drops on Friday. But uh, talking with Gabe before recording this and we were talking about with this type of material, you either uh, put someone like Ryan Reynolds in it and get certain tone or you put Adam Driver in it and you get a different tone. And so you guys should know what to expect when going into it. But also just the fact that these guys were able to capture what they were. Uh, out in the elements, I am not an outdoorsy guy, as uh, I'm sure you guys would be able to guess. And so the shoot feels like a bit of a nightmare. Um, and and they really immerse themselves in everything that comes with filming in Oregon and Ireland. And so uh, I think you guys are really going to appreciate it when that movie comes out. So not only on Friday are we going to talk about 65, but I want to let you guys know the real ones uh, that we're going to have our Scream reviews as well, too, for Scream 6. And then, of course, the guys from Radio Silence come back on the show and we do a spoiler free conversation uh, about Scream. So you're going to want to tune into that. And also uh, it's a jam packed show on Friday. We are also going to be doing our annual uh, Oscar predictions. We're going to go through every single category. All three of us will give our choices for what we think are going to win. And then I know that there are stakes from some kind of bet uh, in play. But at this point, I forget what the results are. It's usually something horrible for the people who lose. So make sure you tune in to Friday's show. Uh, and listen to what we think is going to win the Oscars on Sunday. And then, of course, like I said, all those great reviews that are upcoming to make sure that you don't miss anything. Hit subscribe, turn on your notifications, uh, and we'll be back on Friday with a full show of Real Blend. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.